0: From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. We continue digging into the coronavirus origin. And it appears there are way more deaths in Wuhan than we suspected. Because information we've discovered indicates that urns are pouring in to that region.
1: The estimates, I believe, are about 3,500 a day to seven mortuaries in, in Hunan. And uh, well, clearly what it suggests is that the casualty rate is far, far higher than the Chinese government is saying.
0: Nicholas Eftimiades is a Chinese expert who's retired from the U.S. intelligence community.
1: And they're covering up, as could be expected, they're covering up the casualties that uh, that they suffered in this. And the British government, you know, internally, the British government, esti- you know, publicly came out that they estimated the casualties in China to be anywhere from 15 to 40 times the number publicly released. What
0: China is hiding and why they're hiding it. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. With each passing day, the number of questions about the origin of the COVID-19 virus grows. First, we heard it came from a snake, then from a bat. And while there seems to be consensus from the medical and science communities that it came from an animal, doubt persists. We learned recently that US Customs and Border Protection officers at Detroit's Metro Airport stopped a Chinese scientist carrying vials believed to contain the MERS and SARS viruses in November 2018, just over a year before the first cases of COVID-19 emerged. The FBI decided to put out a tactical intelligence report this adds to the confusion over all of this. So we asked Nicholas Ftimiades, a retired CIA officer, a technical operations officer to be exact, to explain to us exactly what's happening.
1: So this is a sort of an interesting question which deals very much with uh, Homeland Security and how protected are we from uh, the introduction of something like a, uh, a virus or other type of biological agent? Uh, Just the fact that we've caught this more than once, in fact, at the border uh, coming in as well as going out, as a recent case in Boston illustrated, uh, shows that we do have some level of security that we are aware and that our our customs process, our Homeland Security process is working. Uh, How well it's working, how many times it's gone, happened unchecked, we don't know. Uh, But it, it certainly is enough to indicate concern and it does leave us particularly vulnerable. Uh, the likelihood is is that a foreign government who act or a terrorist organization who actually tries to hurt us in this regard would probably send a person in, um, you know, with that in infection as opposed to vials.
0: What do you think then about the possibility Chinese intelligence would do this or be involved in this or, or some elements from China would be involved in this? We know as you've told us before that um, they have the, their own indi- they they have their own designs on what they want from the US and 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 how they're going after it and what are your thoughts about them actually doing something like this, the uh, Chinese intelligence?
1: Are they capable of it? I mean physically capable? Yes. Was it them in these previous scenarios? No. Are they likely to do it in the future? No, uh, let's hope not. <laughs> uh, but just the fact the FBI let the individuals go uh, is a clear indication that they didn't believe that uh, that there was any um, uh, any attack or imminent threat uh, pending. They never went back up to follow up. They never went back and arrested these people. So, um, so obviously, the FBI uh, is more concerned about the threat or the possibility of biological agents coming in than any specific actions and whether they could be tied back to the Chinese government or specifically to Chinese intelligence.
0: Okay, so, so go ahead. Go sorry,
1: ahead. No, 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 go on.
0: So you don't think that they pose any risk in that regard? To the no, I don't,
1: think, I, I don't think they posed, past tense, any risk in what happened. Do they pose a risk? Could they do that? Yeah, Absolutely.
0: How would you assess Homeland Security's ability to uh, tackle something like
1: that? Well, you know, security, you, you can never have enough of it, right? And there's, there's always, you can always throw money at security and, and you'll never have enough. We don't have enough money on the planet uh, to get the type of security that, to get 100% uh, protection. So, um, so we turn to things like intelligence. Um, our intelligence should provide us. Uh, indications or any type of uh, pending threat warnings of any pending threat uh, coming to the United States so the investment has to be twofold a we have to ensure that we have a reasonable amount of security for the money that we're getting and and I think DHS is is close to that is certainly getting that uh, and then secondarily I think we need the type of penetrating intelligence the exquisite intelligence that gives us insights into pending threats I think we need a little more emphasis there.
0: Mm. You know, you mentioned a few minutes ago that uh, the Chinese have the capability to do that, possibly, but they they would not do it. Why do you believe they wouldn't do it?
1: Well, well, you know, at at the end of the day, I mean, we're the largest market for China. Um, We, you know, know, despite the political differences that the nations are facing, uh, one could easily argue that they do need each other uh... for the future economically and they need to be cooperative for the uh... you know for civilization to move forward so it's not in the long-term interest of china or, or certainly not in the midterm interest to uh... to see a degraded united states because that has economic impact on them uh... over time you know china has said before it's um, it's greatest fear in the night uh, you know the thing that keeps them up is uh... is uh... the collapse of the United States and how it will happen. Hmm. Uh, so it, it's it's a pretty frightening thought to think of it, but they've actually publicly said that. Uh, so they need to manage what they believe is a decline of the United States and collapsing the economy and killing, you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands is certainly not the way to do that.
0: So, Nick, how do you look at the the relationship between the U.S. and China from an intelligence point of view um, they knew something really bad was going on for a while, um, and in light of what you just said, they did not want this to be their dirty laundry to get out into the world. It did, but they didn't tell anybody, but anybody about it for a good while. What what, what happened there?
1: Right. Well, th- there are a lot of problems with this, um, and uh, or the way China behaved, and the way they the way they behaved, which was specifically to protect the Chinese Communist Party, was uh, to control information uh, and and you know, they literally told hospitals there was a quota on the number of of uh, coronavirus cases that they could report. So uh, at the end of the day, even the Chinese government doesn't know how many coronaviruses cases as cases there were because they specifically did not allow the hospitals to accept them and to report them. So, uh, you know, from an intelligence perspective, it's an impossible problem to to contend with because even your target doesn't know, you know, uh, only has an estimate of how many deaths uh, there were uh the fact of the matter is that they're you know the ccp preeminence control of the party comes before everything including the life and hate and the health of their population and and their actions have proven that.
0: when you look at the coronavirus map that most folks are looking at that is the johns hopkins map you see that china has a very low number of thousands of cases uh, and it is a country of 1.3 billion or something like that this is the place where it all started As you just said, there are situations where hospitals were given quotas on the number of cases they could uh, disclose. I also know through research that there have been a number of uh, mortuaries in Wuhan that have been ordering thousands of urns. Uh, In some cases, several thousand have been delivered in a day. What does all of that suggest to you?
1: All right. Well, the, the the estimates I believe are about 3,500 a day um, to seven mortuaries in, in Hunan, and uh, well, clearly, what it suggests is that the casualty rate is far far higher than the Chinese government is saying, um, and and that much is pretty obvious, uh, and and you know their behavior and the way they the way the party has treated this is is you know with complete lies. Uh, I mean, Germany and France have given as much aid to Italy as China has, but uh, but you never hear that. You know, the United States gave aid to China, in, you know, in January, and of course they, we don't hear that. So China's propaganda machine is in full, um, you know, full force forward motion. Uh, they're making a benefit of this situation, and they're covering up, as could be expected, they're covering up the casualties that uh, that they suffered in this. And the British government, you know, internally, the British government, esti- you know, publicly came out that they estimated the casualties in China to be anywhere from 15 to 40 times the number of publicly, publicly released. Wow, that is gigantic. What do we do
0: with this? There are a lot of people that are saying the world needs to punish China for this. They're talking about suing. They're talking about um, financial supply chain uh, actions. They're talking about, uh, of course, security actions. Um, What's your best guess on what is the best thing to do?
1: Uh, I believe the best thing to do is to calmly, intelligently sit back and restructure the relationship between the United States and its allies, or let's say the Western world, which lives by a rule of law, uh, to restructure the relationship with China. I think that China's actions, threatening to cut off um, medical supplies to the United States, uh, blaming the United States Army for starting this virus in China, uh, I, I think their actions prove exactly their intent towards the United States and the free world. So with this evidence in hand, it is incumbent upon our government, our Congress and the administration to, as we pass this coronavirus issue, to restructure the relationship the United States has and will have with China. And that means from a security perspective, from economically, we need to help the companies that we have already in China that are doing business in China. We need to support them. Uh, so that they can do business on a fair and equi- equitable basis. We need to protect our security interests, and we need to do this in a coordinated fashion with allies. It, it has to be the world doing this.
0: You know, uh, Professor, one of the problems we're having in Washington right now is what the U.S. knew, when it knew it, and who knew what. And that that is a really big red flag to me if you're talking about what China's going to do, because... We can't even figure out whether the president knew about this or not. What's your view on that?
1: Um, My view on that is having spent my entire life in the intelligence community. You know, they used to tell us, the NSC used to say, uh, there's not a... Uh, a, um, a silver lining that the intelligence community can't find a dark cloud behind. <laughs> uh, and, and that's because we do see everything as a threat. Uh, and, that's, and that's what we brief, and that's what we brief. Yeah, hey, it's a threat. That's a threat. Um, and, and so, you know, the policy apparatus cannot live in that, cannot function in that sustained environment. We, the intelligence community is always bringing up threats that are possible, that are probable, that could happen. Most never materialize. Most never materialize, but um, you know some do. And and there's never perfect information, and there is never perfect decision making. Mm. So uh, you know it's a simple reality of, of the of the relationship between intelligence and the policy apparatus. And there are other considerations the policymakers have to have to take into account. The economy, in this case, being one of the major ones.
0: Yeah. Do you see any lingering problem between the president and the intelligence community? Because in his early years in office, uh, he had a really big problem with the intelligence community, essentially not believing what they were telling him. And you think that's a part of this issue right now?
1: I don't think so. I think more the intelligence community has a problem with him. Uh, if that makes sense, uh, as I say, you know, the, the, the president and the policy apparatus need to consider a lot of things that the intelligence community does not and, and frankly doesn't understand. Mm. Uh, so all those issues of, you know, U.S.-based businesses and, and personal requests from allies and nonprofits and all the other considerations that a president has to make in decision making really aren't on the radar of the intelligence community. Mm. They're just reporting threats and events, so you know any any policy apparatus has to take all these um, aspects into consideration before formulating a decision. Mm. I don't think the relationship is good uh, mm. between the administration and the intelligence community, but it's uh, it, it's pretty forthright. Mm. It's pretty far out in the open, interesting.
0: So back to the uh, the 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 question of the day, um, what do we do? what is what does the u s? What does the rest of the world do immediately about this threat that's coming out of China? Because they say they're reopening parts of Wuhan, uh, which is that was the epicenter of this. But uh, all the medical scientific folks that I know say that is not a really smart thing to do because this kind of this kind of situation, Runs in waves. Just within the last week or so, they had to lock down another province very close to Wuhan. Are they doing the right thing here?
1: No, certainly not. Um, the, they're doing the politically expedient thing. They're trying to show the world, and mostly, I, I would suspect it's mostly the developed world. Uh, they're trying to show them, you know, how dominant they are, and and, and what a key player they are in um, in uh, you know being a knight in shining armor and, and helping to fix the world. Uh, and the fact that they have control of information internally in China, as well as the information that comes out, and uh, and they have accentuated that control by uh, by, by uh, getting rid of many U.S. reporters there, uh, U.S. journalists. So I, I think that with an information dominance and controlling the environment, uh, you know, they can do this they can do it. It might not be the right thing to save people, but it is the right thing for to uh, increase the power of the party.
0: Yeah. Well, here's the elephant in the room, Nick. A lot of people have been thinking for a while that something's not right about what the Chinese are saying. But then when you look at some of the data and some of the information that's come out about the fact that they knew about this, but they went ahead and let flights leave wuhan going to other parts of the world then there is this conspiracy theory issue about maybe this was bioengineered in china and by the way they've said the u.s army bioengineered this thing this is what the chinese are saying but at the same time there are people who got sick in this country with similar symptoms to this virus um that i've spoken to that are wondering, well, was it here before we knew it was here or were learned that it was here? And all of this, I, I want to roll this into one big fat question here and, and ask you, did the Chinese con- create this thing? I don't believe it for a minute, but there are so many things that point to it. Uh, erase that thought or that probability for us.
1: Um, So, you know, they say never ascribe to, you know, ill thinking and behavior, what you can attribute to um, to incompetence. (laughs) And uh, and and for anyone who's lived in China, that really shines through a lot. Um, You know, I I don't think that the experts would tell you that if you're going to bioengineer something, this is the type of virus that you would bioengineer. Mm. It, it's too similar to previous viruses. It has an effective uh, mortality rate of less than two percent. You know that, that that's not a bio weapon. Um, so and plus at this point, you know it actually that getting out actually threatens party control. So really not in the interest of China to do that. Um, in any way you look at it. So I, you know the, I I don't buy the argument even though there were two bio containment labs um, within you know, tens of kilometers, one uh, in fact pretty close to the Wuhan market, uh, whether it was unintentionally released, whether it was, uh, you know, if someone says, did someone from a, a one of the bio labs that is in close proximity sell a bunch of bats to the Wuhan market, you know, I would buy that because I've seen the Chinese system run like that and, and it's very, very possible something ridiculous like that actually happened. Mm. Uh, but the bottom line is that the Wuhan market appears to be, as far as we can tell, the accelerator for whatever happened, however the virus got there. Uh, and as such a dominant number of, uh, of initial cases, if the Chinese are telling the truth, Chinese government is telling the truth, um, so many cases came out of that, uh, that market initially. So I'm going to suspect that however it got into the market, that that market was clearly the accelerator in uh, releasing the virus into society. Yeah,
0: And that is a really scary thing, because we don't know what they're doing. We don't really know if they're telling the truth. And, you know, it's a big country. It's a gigantic place. There are so many, you know, actors and motives and et cetera. And then you have the Communist Party that's trying to keep a lid on things. So... Um,
1: That's exactly correct. And we don't have the intelligence capabilities that allow us clarity into that society and government.
0: So what haven't I asked you about regarding this that you think is important today?
1: I I think what's important for the United States um, is how it moves forward. And if I have any area of concerns at all, it's uh, uh, because I, I, I think the United States will move forward. And I don't want to say in a retaliatory fashion but certainly in a, in a fashion that, um, that sees China in a little different light. And, uh, and that is by and large because of China's behavior um, during and subsequent to the uh, crisis in their backyard. Um, but uh, how the US, exactly what they're gonna do and how they're gonna coordinate it with allies is sort of the big question of the day. Because whether we're successful or not in restructuring this relationship, which I think is, uh, is sorely needed, um, it's going to rest on our ability to work with partners globally, and you know that's a 50/50 whether we'll actually be able to accomplish that. Yeah.
0: So how about then the Huawei situation? That that was something the U.S. had essentially found very little support from its allies overseas in its in its efforts to essentially um, blacklist Huawei.
1: Well, that's actually quite a mixed bag. Um, And if you take a look at the State Department's record in in dealing with allies on that, it's not um, just ban or use Huawei. It's not a black and white line. So in many cases, countries have said, okay, we're gonna let Huawei in, but not to our core elements. So not around data repositories or, um, or areas that they could have access to massive amounts of data. So there are different levels of how Huawei is integrated uh, and the Brits are, the UK is currently studying, uh, has a study center set up to, uh, to look at Huawei products and particularly software. So different levels of how Huawei is integrated and how sensitive, uh, what type of data that they can have access to. So I, I would not say we have been unsuccessful in that. I think we have been reasonably successful actually when you look at the type of actions that countries have taken i would say subsequent to this i think we're going to be more successful at least uh, in the developed world
0: that's nicholas f timiades he's a former technical operations officer with the cia and he's also a former state department special agent with the bureau of diplomatic security and a former senior intelligence officer with the defense intelligence agency and if you enjoyed this particular program Coming up next week as we continue to dig into the origins of the coronavirus. Right now, we still don't know if it was a a leak from a laboratory or it was from a spillover from an animal in a wet market. Wait, Um, wait, wait, wait. So did did I just hear you say we still don't know if this was bioengineered? We still don't know. We talk with former CIA covert operative Robert Bayer. There, there's a facility in Wuhan, and there's a level four lab there. They were, I mean, the Chinese have been doing this for a long time since SARS, um, doing research on viruses. We dig deeper into the origins of the COVID 19 virus. In the meantime, if you have questions or comments about our program, send me an email at jgreenwtop.com. At that's the letter J, the color green, one word at whiskeytangooscarpapa.com. J Green at WTOP.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at T Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you'd like more information about national security, sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash alerts. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast.
1: Hey, I got a new podcast coming. It's called Theory. Don't you know? This is Theo Rossi. Our world is changing. For many of us, it'll never feel the same. The important thing to remember is that we are all in this together, and that's some of what I want to talk about on my new show, Theory. We're going to discuss the things that no one ever does, the real talk, the sacrifice, and the struggle that everyone goes through. My life has kind of put me in a unique position to see things honestly. This is Theo Rossi, and my new show, Theory, launches on April 8th, officially on Spotify, Podcast One, and Apple Podcasts.
0: Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.